0: Father, I want to thank you for Paul and for Timothy and Epaphroditus and their faithfulness to you to give the gospel, the pure gospel that is not adulterated in any way. And it came to the lives of the people in Colossae and they were transformed. And they were spoken about having a great faith and love for their fellow believers. Father, I pray that you would do that work in us as well. The same work that you did in those people in Colossae the varied backgrounds that they came from they understood what pure doctrine was they had Paul the apostle teaching them just like us Lord we have Paul his words teaching us we ask that you transform us into that same type of individual and with your help we'll do so in Jesus name amen so Colossians chapter 1 beginning here Paul and Timothy sent a letter to the church in Colossae In chapter one, or verse one, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. And so by the will of God, Paul is an apostle, and Timothy is a brother, and just like you have been called to salvation, it's by the will of God, and he delivers this little message of thanksgiving and prayer that is directed to God. In verse 3 he says, we always thank God our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth the gospel so one thing struck me here we have this hope right the blessed hope the glorious appearing of our great god and savior jesus christ that's our blessed hope so where is hope stored is it within you it's not it says here it's in heaven well how is hope In heaven, I thought I possessed hope. I possess hope in the Savior. Well, Jesus is our blessed hope. Where is Jesus? Jesus is in heaven. Jesus is also the word of God. So if you want to obtain the hope that is in heaven, where do you get it? In the word. When you read the word, you have more hope. Now, is there a time like never before for us to hope? Let me ask you, what's going on in the country? Just look around. The smash and grabs that are going on. And, you know, they've been... Going to different stores and <clears throat> expensive stores and, and taking out, I saw one store, $20,000, $25,000 worth of purses were taken out of the store. I know that one purse can cost that much, so it might have been two purses that they got out of the store. But in order to do the smash and grab, did you hear they broke into a Home Depot? A whole bunch of them went in, 10, 12 of them went into a Home Depot to get sledgehammers and crowbars and things like that to do the smash and grab. And I did read that they arrested 14 of them uh, that tried to go into Home Depot. And just the other night, I was in the Home Depot. It was about 6 o'clock, and I'm standing in line where the big door is. I'm standing in line waiting to go out. And if you've been to the Home Depot in El Cajon, you have this long line. You have to go all the way down to the end, and then you go through the line. Well, this guy went on the outside because the aisle has boxes all in it. He went through this the other side of the aisle. He walks down, and as I'm standing there, I watch him. He crouches down and jets out the door. He had something in him, and I'm looking around. Did anybody see that? Am I the only one that saw that? And nobody saw it at all. And the guy was in a camouflage jacket, and he just took off with something. And I'm sure that happens a lot. And he was running well, just like a jackrabbit. He was taken out of that store with whatever he had because he didn't want to get caught. He didn't want anybody to pursue him. And, of course, I I believe there are purposes behind this. You know, when the um, Kyle Rittenhouse case was adjudicated and it came back that he was not guilty, did you see the news that there was a parking lot that was filled with bricks? There was a truck that delivered, I guess, several loads of bricks, and they were all waiting there, In order for there to be a riot. And this has happened before where they have dropped bricks. We know that up in Carlsbad or Oceanside. They had bricks dropped there during the riots uh, before the election. And who would do that? You know, who would just show up and it's on the side of the road, a whole pile of bricks. It's because somebody's behind it. Somebody is paying for this to be done. Somebody is giving checks to those who are coming up from South America, $800 every two weeks for them to be provided for to come up. Who in the world is doing that? Who in the world is adding to the chaos? It's taken place. And should we fear that? No, God has not given us a spirit of fear. But what is happening, you see an attack on our military getting rid of half, not half, maybe a third of the military because they won't take the vaccine. Look at the hospital staff. You know, you've heard that hospitals are overloaded, but have you been told why they're overloaded? It's because people had to resign that were nurses that are no longer working in the hospital, specifically New York City. It's hospitals. They said, "We're, we're at capacity. The reason they're at capacity Because nobody's in there working and they're overworking the people who are in there with unrealistic hours, and they're saying, you know, these beds are full. Well, it's because only so many nurses can take care of only so many people. It's not that the beds aren't there, they're there. They're just restricting how many people can come in there, and they're also getting rid of elective surgeries. Any surgery that's not an emergency surgery is an elective surgery, and they've stopped doing those altogether. It's like, well, what if you have to go to the hospital? What if this continues? Is that going to happen here? We don't know what's going on. But remember, we have this blessed hope in heaven. No matter what happens to us here, we don't have to worry about it. And and it may be a time of suffering. Well, you know, when has there not been a time of suffering? And is it going to get worse? Well, probably. It'll probably get worse. But we have this blessed hope, and we have this ability to be full of thanksgiving. Remember, the church is being persecuted during this time, and these believers were sharing their faith, and they were expressing their love to the other believers. They were doing things for the other believers which were out there. Now, If we have the same faith and love that springs from hope, we have the hope, the blessed hope, Jesus Christ. It is stored in heaven. It is the word of truth. It is the gospel. The reason that we act this way is because we possess that same hope. The reason that we share our faith is because we have faith in the blessed hope. The reason that we do good works is because of what Christ has done for us. We understand these are basic principles from the scripture this is 101 christianity now if you've been a christian for a while normally these acts of faith and these works of love they happen automatically you're not really even thinking about it you just see a need and you meet the need which is out there you don't have to start contemplating okay what good work should i do today it just comes to you and you just perform the task, whatever it is. If somebody needs some encouragement, you give them encouragement. Why? Because you received encouragement from Jesus Christ himself. That comes from Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. The comfort that you have received from God, you can use in order to give comfort to others once you have received it, once you have experienced it. So the real question is, how much do you want to experience so that you can bring others comfort? And see, Paul was willing to endure anything. He wanted to know Jesus Christ in him glorified. No, crucified. So the less of Paul that was there, the more he could minister to others in the way that God would have him do that. Who wants to sign up to be less? That's not the world. What does the world say? You need to get into crypto you need to make millions you need to climb the ladder of success and Jesus says no I want you to become nothing no matter of fact I want you to die that's what I want you to do just like Jesus gave us the example where he died now when you have the opportunity to do these good works you can really bless somebody make their day I'm going to read you a little story This was posted on April 15th of 2020 and it was posted by a man, a young man named Lee. He was in critical condition because of COVID-19. He is in the hospital in an isolation ward and this is his story. It says, it was two nights in the hospital where I didn't know whether I will make it or not. I was under incredible pressure was on drips and procedures. I remember those nights I was crying to the Lord to help me and supernaturally just do something that would encourage me and bring me through. I remember the next day I had a night from hell. And you have to understand in the isolation ward, when no one else can get in, when no one else, no pastor, no friend, no family members, when no one else was allowed in, God sent a cleaner and all of a sudden the cleaner had come in he was like a ray of sunshine he began to chat with me and he asked me how i was and say to me about hanging in there and then he got to chatting and we got talking and he turned around and said to me that he was a missionary in nigeria for 14 years and he began to tell me how god had saved many many souls through his ministry and just these last couple of years he found himself back in northern ireland and that's where this guy was in the hospital and he excuse me and he's encouraging my heart and he's telling me about souls and about the love of jesus and the love of god and i'm just sitting going wow and when god needs to reach you he knows exactly who is the right person and in that moment of time it was the cleaner When no one else could get in, God sent a cleaner. He left that day, and he says this as he stood at the door. He said, son, can I pray for you? I said, absolutely. And he began to pray at the door. He couldn't touch me. And as he was praying, he began to ask God, the Holy Ghost, to visit me. He began to ask God to heal my body and touch my lungs. He stood at the doorway, and he pleaded with God Almighty to spare my life and to continue to use me. And then he left. And what was incredible was, after he left, he periodically would walk past my window and give me a thumbs up. That night, I remember, I started to turn around. Could it have been the prayer of the cleaner? So, says, that night, I began to desire a packet of prawn cocktail crisps. <clears throat> and I asked the Lord, because no one could get to me, I said, Lord, is it possible if you could get me a packet of prawn cocktail crisps and a can of Coke? Because that night began to turn. The next morning, the cleaner came and he brought me in a bag. And in that bag was two oranges, a can of Coke, and a packet of prawn cocktail crisps. Don't tell me that God doesn't know. God knows our every need. He knows our every desire. And He just passed the bag through the door. He couldn't come in. And He just said, It's just a gift from the Lord. I sat up. I ate the crisp. God is a God who is personal. And He knows the deepest desires of our hearts. And He knows our needs. Incredible story. You know, a guy, he's on death's door. And this cleaner shows up. You never know when you're going to be used. And the smallest deeds of kindness can have such an impact. As a result of that, he posted this. And now you're hearing it. And you are encouraged. And that is, again, 2 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. The comfort that he has received. You now have potentially received that and can give it to somebody else as well. So you hear stories like this and it provides hope. Now, specifically, the hope is in Jesus Christ, the blessed hope in heaven. It is in the word. But he goes on to say that the hope is the gospel. The gospel is what the hope is. The gospel brings hope that it tells us that not everything is in vain, that life is not meaningless, that there is purpose in everything that happens to us. Now, there is... um, <clears throat> on my computer, my daughter, years ago, she downloaded her, I don't know if you know what this is, a BlackBerry? You know what a BlackBerry is? That was one of the original phones that was out there. And, and she posted a lot of pictures and she put them into our computer to kind of back up uh, what she had. And I, I just happened to run across it because I, I clicked on her folder, it says her name, there And I, oh, the, oh the, I got to get these pictures to her. And I just started thumbing through them. You know, as her life and what she was doing back then. And she would take pictures of several quotes. And I thought, wow, look at those quotes that she was putting down there. I, I didn't know that. And this is one of the quotes. God doesn't give you the people you want. He gives you the people you need to help you to hurt you, to leave you, to love you, to make you the person you were meant to be. Now that sounds a lot like Scripture. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works together for good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. You mean God might bring somebody in my life to hurt me? He might. Who is a famous person from the Old Testament that got hurt? Job. I mean, just constantly just being battered by satan himself losing his family his wife telling him to curse god and die and losing all his possessions yeah he was battered why so that we would have encouragement even in this day and age even though that's probably four thousand years old that story and it's brought to us and we can communicate it to others and verse six says it continues and it says that has come to you all over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. So here we have the gospel that came to Colossae and is going through all the world. It's bearing fruit, it's growing, and two things happening by hearing and understanding God's grace. And we need to be able to give the gospel the good news and hope to others. This is, again, basic Christianity 101. If somebody is going through something and you say, you know, you probably just need Jesus Christ. Can you give them the gospel? Can, can you tell them how it is that Jesus can relieve their suffering? If only temporarily here, we could suffer more. But there's coming a time, it's delayed satisfaction, delayed gratification. We will be to heaven, get to heaven and it will all end. And there is that hope. That is our hope. It's going to end. It's going to come to a close. And everyone, to one degree or another, they have had their hopes dashed, expectations not met, incredible heartache and tragedy. To one degree or another, we have all experienced those things. Have you ever had your heart broken in a relationship where it just goes down to your soul and you're grieving on the inside? Have you ever lost a loved one where you can't express the depths of the pain that's on the inside, and you want to do that, or a tremendous disappointment—something didn't happen the way you thought it would happen. I, you know, hindsight's always twenty-twenty. I can look back in my life and see, and I couldn't see it at the time, but I could see where God would put up a roadblock. I'm not going down that road, even though I desperately wanted to go down that road. He stopped me from going down that road to get me where I am today and those were painful disappointments to have that happen you probably have experienced those too if you just think about your life and you go back well God prevented me from doing this and this didn't turn out the way I wanted to and then I had this bad relationship why is all of this coming to fruition in my mind right now well God wants to give us understanding and wisdom and in order to do that all of that heartache and all that pain all that tragedy it can be relieved if we have the gospel because then we get the hope so all of us need to be able to give the gospel to someone and you don't just want to be able to say well let me pray with you to receive jesus christ as your lord and savior the first question would be why why would i want to do that and you have to be able to explain sin and the state of humanity and the end game of what's going to happen to everyone who refuses christ you have to be able to give the good news the gospel remember if there's good news what is there also bad news there's bad news and so you got to explain the bad news in order to give the good news and if you go to somebody and you say would you like to hear the good news first or the bad news always go to the bad news first Go to the bad news because then the good news is going to take place. There are several churches that never talk about the bad news. What's the bad news? Everybody's under a curse. Everybody's going to hell. Everybody is going to be in darkness and suffering and pain. Nobody gets out of that except those good news who receive Jesus Christ. And so how do you do that exactly? Now there's several modes and I've covered these modes before. You can give them the good person test. You say, would you like to know if you're a good person? Now, we use this several times on the mission field. If we're in Cambodia or Africa, we'd use a good person test. And anybody that we came across, we've done it here in San Diego as well. But if you go up to somebody and say, you think you're a good person? Most people say, yeah, I think I'm pretty good. Really, you want to take a good person test? And most people say, yeah, I'll take that test. And then you go through the Ten Commandments. Now, you don't have to do them in order. But the one I like to start with is... Have you ever told a lie? And they say no. I said, "Well, that's your first one." You know, that would be, and they would say, "Yes, I've told a lie." Even little white lies. Even there's no such thing as a white lie and a black lie or a red lie. It just that's something we make up. It's not so bad, you know. It's I can remember my parents. This is a little white lie, but this is what we want you to do. And I, okay, no problem, white lie. And so you ask somebody that. Have you ever told a lie? They say yes. And you say, what do you call a person who lies? A liar. Okay. So, have you ever taken God's name in vain? You know, used it when you weren't supposed to as a cuss word? Well, yeah. I've done that too. You say, well, what do you call a person who takes God's name in vain? And usually they don't know. You say, well, it's a blasphemer. So, so far, you've admitted you're a liar. And you're a blasphemer. You said. well, yeah, okay. And then you ask them, have you ever lusted after somebody that wasn't your husband or your wife in a sexual manner? And they say, well, yeah. And, and then you ask them, well, what do you call that person? It's an adulterer. So by your own admission, you're a lying, thieving adulterer. And they finally go, well, yeah. So you ask him, so you think you're a good person? Well, according to that standard, No, you're not a good person. Not only are you not a good person, but all those people who have committed those sins are under judgment, and God is going to send them to hell because they have committed those sins. And some people say, really? And you give them the good news. You say, well, there's good news, though. You don't have to be under that judgment. And then you give them the gospel. You pray with them. You show them how to get out from under that curse. Now, before... With the youth, and I've given it to you one other time before here. If you want to write this down, you can do this. It is the Romans Road. And you want to use a little acrostic. The acrostic is RAD, R-A-D, and you want all those capital letters. And then twice, T-W-I-C-E, where the I is lowercase, so it's twice as rad to be a believer than it is to be an unbeliever. And you can remember that, rad twice. So R, what does the R stand for? There is no one righteous, no, not one. Then A, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Then D, God demonstrates his own love for us, in while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Then T, in twice, Therefore, as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in the same way death came to all men because all sinned. Now, this is the theology behind it. You don't have to go through each one of these verses, but you need to understand what it's all about. W, the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The I is just there to make the word twice. So you skip over that, and then you go to C. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved because with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And then E is everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And with each one of those letters is a verse which is associated with it. R, Romans 3.10. A, Romans 3.23. D, Romans 5.8. T, Romans 5.12 where am i w wages of sin and death romans 6 23 then you go to romans 10 9 and 10 for c and then you go to romans 10 13 for e now if you just do that and you meditate on that you will be able to give the gospel you you don't have to memorize the verses so to speak although i would encourage you to do that you want to remember the rad twice because that will lead you through the gospel the Romans We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one is without sin. And that's the wages of sin is death. You're going to be compensated for that. The justice of God always judges sin. But if you confess with your mouth, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so you can use it like that. But you have to have something like that under your belt, so to speak, where you can give the gospel. You know, if, if you wanted to just go out witnessing sometime... You could give your name, and I've given you this example before, but it's a good reminder. You can say, hello, my name is Bill. I'm from Calvary Chapel Lakeside in Lakeside, California. I'm here to give you the gospel. Would you like to hear it? And some people say, "Well, yeah, especially in foreign countries, they like to hear the gospel. And in handing out tracts, you know, sometimes you hand out tracts here, people just, no, I don't want anything. They don't wanna touch it. You could have COVID, something like that. And in another country, you could pass out the track everyone will take a track from you in a foreign country no matter where god calls you and especially the good person tracks you know you pass those out and it's a little comic book and oh well, thank you very much i've done that riding in a tuk-tuk handing it out to a moto guy as we're going down the road and he reached out and he took it from me and he smiled and basically said thank you i don't know how he said it in Khmer, but you could tell he was grateful for that and we can we can have those opportunities all the time. We have people all around us that we can share the gospel with, and you should be known as a person of faith—the one who gives hope to someone else, the one who does that act of kindness for someone else. Isn't it? What is it? Romans—it's um, Romans four two or two four that says it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. And we want to make sure we're expressing kindness to others to lead them to repentance. If we're not doing that, then we're really not exercising our faith. And we're really not doing the good works that God has called us to do. Then there's, this one's a little older. The four spiritual laws, you know, God has a wonderful plan for your life. That's law number one. And law number two is man is sinful and God has uh, separated himself from us because we are sinful. And then we know that Jesus Christ is the only provision for man's sin. And then you can accept Jesus Christ as a way to have your sins forgiven. That's the four spiritual laws. That was Bill Bright. That was back in the 70s and 80s. What, and I've just given you three methods. There's other methods that you could use if you come up with them. That, those are just modes. But you can learn to share the gospel with somebody. And that's what had the tremendous effect on the people in Colossae. Remember their town. Remember who was there. Remember all the different religions. Remember the Gnostics. Remember the mystic Jews who were there. Remember the foreigners that are coming in. All of that stuff. And that could be us. Where the voodoo and the Muslims and all those people, they come together and the, the uh, radical... Um, Catholicism, it's a twist of Catholicism that is in South America, you know, in some sectors down there. All of those people get together. We want to make sure they get the proper doctrine. They get the gospel, what the gospel is, and they're not mixing it with something. And so God's grace in all its truth, that's what we're communicating. And that's the end of the verse there. To understand God's grace, I have a hard time with God's grace. To think about what it really means God's grace, it's it's unmerited, it's unearned favor. Everything we do in this life in this world is usually based on merit or what is earned. No matter how bad you have been, if we ask God to forgive us, He will. No matter how evil we have been, not just bad, but evil, if we ask God. He forgives us, no matter how unfaithful we have been, whether to God or someone else. If we ask God to forgive us, he does. No matter if you have been a gossip or a slanderer, if we ask God, he forgives us. If you've been a murderer, a thief, sexually immoral, greedy, unloving, unholy, self-centered, rebellious, a rapist, a swindler, disobedient, a blasphemer, a homosexual, a rioter, ruthless, if you ask God to forgive you, He forgives you. Well, how many times? As often as you ask, He forgives you. I have a hard time with that. Some somebody comes to me and they do that stuff to me, how many times do they keep on doing it to me before I say, That's enough? I'm not forgiving you anymore. I mean that's that's the worldly bent. That's what we do as the world. I'm separating myself from you because man, you are worthless. But, what if the person confesses Christ and they just can 't get things quite right? How many times do we are we supposed to forgive as often as we are asked to forgive and like I said, this is hard to accept, but first John one nine if we confess our sins he 's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that 's how we 're to treat others as well, even as important. As if we have been rece- on the receiving end of this, you know, if we're just not the perpetrators, but if we're the receivers of this type of behavior, what about the people who have uh, experienced the smash and grab? The the uh, store owners, I, I feel for them. I want, if I were them, I would want justice. I want them to be prosecuted and persecuted and laid in the ground six feet deep. That's how I'm thinking as a, a business owner. That's, they're ruining my livelihood. They're taking everything away and they don't care. And so they need to be under judgment. Could I forgive them? I understand when, for instance, a, a father and mother will be in a courtroom because some rapist murderer killed their child, their daughter, and they say, we forgive him. Now, that means they're just choosing not to hold anything against them, but is their true forgiveness. The goal of forgiveness is to have uninterrupted relationship again. And they're not going to have uninterrupted relationship, but I get why they do that because they follow Christ. They're not going to hold it against them because they realize their own sin, the own gravity of what they have done against God and against others. So if somebody has affected your life, they've been a murderer, a thief, sexual immoral, greedy, unloving, unholy, self-centered, rebellious, a rapist, a swindler, disobedient, a blasphemer, homosexual, a rioter, or ruthless against you, have you chosen to forgive them, not hold it against them? Because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. As often as we ask for forgiveness, he forgives us. Therefore, as often as somebody asks us for, for forgiveness, we are to forgive them. And so if those who have done wrong ask you for forgiveness, will you? Do you forgive? That's the heart check for us. And in order to do this, you have to abandon self. This is where Romans 12.1 comes in. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Consider yourself a sacrifice. Consider yourself as nothing in the eyes of God. I must become less and he must become more. He must be made manifest. John the Baptist said that. And and I already quoted Paul, how he said he wanted to know Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, to this life, he is dead. But Christ lives in him. It is Christ that is doing everything through him. So this is God's grace in all of its truth. His unmerited favor. Without finding fault, he forgives as many times as you ask. And for me, that is a foreign concept. I don't know if it is for you. But as I contemplate that, I go, why would someone do that? Just over and over and over. It's because of God's love. God is love. That is perfect love love and that's what we're supposed to emanate from ourselves or or have exuding from ourselves is that perfect love <clears throat> so where did we or learn it from where did we learn this type of love we learned it from the gospel we all have the gospel we should be able to share the gospel with others we learned it from God now where did the Colossians learn it from there was somebody specific that they learned it from it was Epaphras or Epaphroditus it goes on to say <clears throat> You learned it, verse 7, from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So he is the pastor there, Epaphras or Epaphroditus. He's a fellow servant with Paul and Timothy. He's a faithful minister, and he communicated to Paul and Timothy the love in the Spirit that those in Colossae shared. So whenever you do the good works, even though if you're not broadcasting them, somebody else will which promotes the gospel out there hopefully there's been some time in your life because the way that you act the people say why are you like this what i don't ever hear you cuss i don't ever hear you talk bad about somebody you always find the positive thing to say now i don't know about you that that's hard for me when I drive but when I, I see things going on it, it's hard to be positive out there with everything that is going on if you see the news it is just dark. Uh, Patty saw her uncle at Home Depot and uh, he's a Catholic but I think he's a believer not that you are not a believer if you're a Catholic but he goes to the Catholic church but he speaks like one who knows Christ and he's going the world is in a Terrible place right now. It's basically what he communicated to Patty. And it is. I mean, can you look at the world and go, something is wrong. This this is just not right. uh, Did you guys hear about Australia? How they have these, I'm going to call them gulags. There were three teenagers that had been exposed to COVID. They were put into this internment camp. And they escaped one evening. They closed down all the roads, were checking trunks and cars for any of these teenagers that would have escaped from this place. They were going, this is Australia. They were going after them. They finally found them, they tested them. They're all negative. It didn't matter, it's just what the state wanted to impose. That's Australia. Austria, same thing. You look at countries around the world, what's going on, and this oppression is coming down hard. Germany, the same. if you're paying attention to the news, what's going on? Look at Taiwan. Taiwan is being overcome by the communist Chinese and just the imposition that is there. It, it's a terrible thing that is happening around the world, and we can say, this is wrong. Something is going amiss. we got to figure out what it is. Well, we know what it is. The Lord has taken his hand away. He's setting things up for the end times, the scenario where the government is in control, submissiveness to the rulers that be in such a way, no matter what it costs, you must obey them. And that will usher in the antichrist who will cause all great and small to receive the mark of the beast. Now he goes on in verse 9. He says, "For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding." Those three things there, knowledge, spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's what he's been praying for the believers. My prayer for you is that you have a full knowledge of the scriptures, all the way from Genesis to Revelation all the way through, beginning with, can you quote the books of the Bible? Can you quote the Ten Commandments? Can you talk about the stories? Can you talk about King Saul in 1 Samuel and King David in 2 Samuel and everything that they went through and Jonathan? And you go through these kings and Elisha and Elijah and uh, the uh, uh, the prophets of Baal, the 450 that were killed on uh, mount carmel all of those stories that are in the old testament or deborah or gideon in the book of judges or ruth you should be, have a, a, a working knowledge of all of those people in the old testament how god was faithful or rahab who was a prophetess uh, ruth was a moabitess and they are in the lineage of christ and how god redeemed them from out of the world well he can do the same thing for us and they're meant to encourage us We should have a full breadth of knowledge of all of these things. Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, 1 Corinthians, the disobedient church that was carnal. But they would all go up in the rapture, Paul wrote in his uh, sermon or his message there in in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So all of that stuff and the practical application as well as the theology behind it, we should have an active working knowledge. I was listening to a message yesterday about Christians as opposed to pop Christians. A pop Christian would be one who would go with the culture, kind of like what was happening in the book of Colossians, the church there. Like if you went up to somebody who was a believer, or if you went up to yourself and you said, you asked the question, is Jesus God? Well, if you were here last week, that question's been answered. You have all the scriptures, you've written them in your Bible or in your notes in your phone, You have all the scriptures that say that. But the person who is a pop Christian would do this. They'd go, hmm. They wouldn't know. Is there a place called hell that is real where people are going to suffer? They would go, hmm. That's a good question. That's a pop Christian. And what should happen is when somebody asks you a question like that, your mind immediately Goes to the word. And if they ask, well, for instance, is uh, Jesus God? Do you believe that? You'd say, well, oh, of course. Why would we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ? Or uh, Thomas said, my Lord and my God. John chapter 20, verse 28. It, it, there's so many scriptures that I gave you last time. And in Colossians, we're going to find out that it is there as well that He is God. We don't want to be the pop Christian. We want to be one who is able to take out that sword and wield it as God gives us the opportunity to do so because it can divide joints and marrow, soul, and spirit. That's what we're supposed to use the word of God for. So Proverbs talks about knowledge and wisdom. Proverbs 1, seven says, For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Proverbs nine ten says, For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So what does spiritual wisdom look like? Well, first, we're supposed to ask for it. James 1, 5 says, If we ask for wisdom, he doesn't find fault. He just gives it to us freely. And then also, what will others see if you possess wisdom? What will they see in you? What will you look like if you have wisdom? James 3.17 says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. You will have all of those characteristics if you possess wisdom. If you don't possess wisdom, you can just fill in the antonyms of all of those words. And that's what you will show to the world. Verse 10, we're coming to a close here. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the Kingdom of light, so he does all this he wants them to have the knowledge spiritual wisdom, and understanding in order to live a worthy life. Not that God looks at us and says oh you 're so worthy, no we are living." a life worthy of the calling. It matches the calling. That's what he's talking about. And those things, he has five of them there, bearing fruit in every good work, and I'll probably cover this again next week. I'm just going to give you the list. Bearing fruit in every good work, grow in knowledge, strengthen with power according to God's strength, possess great endurance, and joyfully give thanks to the Father. That means if you're enduring, you're suffering, but you're giving thanks to the father if you mix all of these things together that's the purpose of having knowledge spiritual wisdom and understanding all of these things book of Proverbs says they'll cost you everything get understanding know what the scripture says because in those scriptures are life and we have the ability to give life to others should we be opening up our mouths absolutely Every opportunity, and if you haven't done it much, it feels weird. How do you bring up a conversation about God? You could just do that. You want to talk about God? And they may say, no. Okay, I won't talk about God. You could do it just like that. I I challenge you this week, if you come up to somebody, hey, you want to talk about God? They might think, you are crazy. Get away from me. Or they might say, yeah. You know, part of getting the gospel is getting rejected. That's going to happen. It's okay. Jesus was rejected. Or you could just start with a nice question like, hey, do you go to church? And if they say, well, yeah, I do. Well, where do you go? Oh, the kingdom hall. Oh, you want to talk about God? You see, you go into that. Or if if they say, uh, yes, I go to church. And you say, where do you go? Well, I go to the Mormon stake. Oh, really? You want to talk about God? They're spiritually minded and they want to talk about God and you can lead them in the proper way of salvation. If you have the gospel down, that is our hope for those who are perishing out there. They have no hope. And so for us, our hope is in heaven, it's in Jesus Christ, it's in his word, and that word can dwell in us richly. And we should know how to give the gospel that provides this hope. And the end game is for us, and it's really not a game, the end goal, I should say, is bearing food, growing, being strengthened, enduring, and possessing joy as we give thanks to the Father. So at this time, what we're going to do is we're going to receive communion Because we have this hope in Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he made, Kim is going to come up and she's going to play a song. Now, the routine since COVID started and we're able to meet back again is that you just come up, starting from the beginning rows, going all the way back. You come up to the plate here in the center and you grab a little cup and then you make your way around as you feel comfortable coming up but as a row exits you guys just come up the center and go around the side and as kim is playing if you need to call out to the lord and say god i think first john one nine applies please forgive me my sin then that's good Or just turn to him and give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks for the abundance that we still have, that there are good things that are still taking place. The gospel is still going out. The world is being transformed. And it's the best opportunity. Remember, during times of adversity, that's when the cream of the crop rise to the top. And that's what we want to pray for. So you can pray for that, too, that righteousness will abound and that darkness will be subdued. You can pray for all of those things. But reach out to God and just have him minister to you as Kim is playing. And we'll take the lights down in the center if you do that, please.